you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. You can take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Pressing on through the Sermon on the Mount. Today. So the demands on followers of Jesus have been continuing to come at us through chapter 5. We've been looking at those over the last few Peace and purity, faithfulness and integrity, sacrifice and suffering. And that all got finished up and summarized with that uh, call to be perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so now that Jesus has placed this, you know, these instructions on how to shine, he changes his tone a bit. And today the verses serve as a warning label for our lights. As we walk in our kingdom communities and out there in the world, um, we have to be careful with how we handle our light and not turn it back on ourselves. So I titled the message today, Fighting Shine Abuse. So let's read these verses here, um, verses 1 to 4 and then down in 16 to 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your heavenly Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word uh, this morning. Um, it is a treasure for us. It is light, life for us. It's hope. It's power. Um, because, Jesus, you are the word. And so we feast on it today, Father. Thank, thank, thank you for um, setting it before us. And we have taken a moment to... Dive in and soak our hearts here. We so need it today, Lord. I want to pray for for those this morning that are struggling with the ways of our world today. There seems to be no rest, no place to go that we can hide, no no comfort to be found. And so worry and fear and all these things just stir in our hearts and minds. 
But we know that in you, we can find the answer to all of these, these things. And so, Lord, as, we, uh, as we're here, pray your Spirit would bear his fruit in us. And that he'd bring comfort and strength, hope, healing, and courage. Bless this time under your word. Pray that you'd use it for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we live in a world that has a lot of campaigns. Um, It's a hashtag world today, if you don't know what that means. Get on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that there's a day go by that we don't hear the phrase, Black Lives Matter. And I know there's a hashtag going around, HCQ works. They bring awareness to a drug that might help covid it's, it's the world we live in. It's a world of campaigns. It's a world of hashtags. NFL will put, if they play, they will put pink on their uniforms to bring awareness to breast cancer. So campaigns work. Uh, there's ribbons that you can buy, you know, to pin on your clothes, to stick on your car mag- magnets, to bring awareness to different problems in our world. Uh, you can get a ribbon for bullying Drug-free kids, mothers against drunk driving, childhood cancer, missing children, AIDS, racial tolerance, peace, and no taxes on the Internet. On and on and on. So there are, there's a ton of them. But in, in my research uh, on, on campaigns, on ribbons that you can buy to bring awareness to different things, there is nothing that I could find to bring awareness to shine abuse. And so today I'm breaking the silence. Because this is a really serious problem among believers. It, it, it has serious consequences. If, if not, Jesus wouldn't have brought it up. And remember, he's called us to shine for the kingdom of God. He said, be salt of the earth. Be the light of the world. And so in a spiritual sense, if we're believers in Christ and, and we're following him with our lives, every one of us here has a shine factor to how we live. And the danger comes when we, we abuse that. We turn that shine back onto ourselves. And that just starts to mess with everything. It messes up our purpose for living. It turns people off, the people that we want to attract to the kingdom. It turns them away. And we lose reward. The kind of reward we don't want to lose. The kind we get on the other side. And so with no spokesman for this shine abuse, I'm breaking the sign. It's going to be encouraging you to join the fight today to be effective lights in the world to fight shine abuse. Verse 1 is a warning from Jesus that leads to our first, first action, and that is to confess your tendency. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So in that sentence, Jesus, he lays out the definition of the problem. What is shine abuse? It is turn, taking our righteous acts, doing that before men, so that we can be seen by them, light shining on us, so that we can be accepted by them, approved by them, get their attention. And in doing that, we lose reward in heaven. So we got to realize when we read that, we got to realize he's talking about us. So, I mean, if we're going to be aware of shine abuse, we've got to be aware that 
we have a confession to make. Recognizing this tendency in us to try to take the light of God and turn it on ourselves in order to gain man's approval. You know, almost every product we buy today has a warning label. And almost every single one of them we ignore. Because, you know, who needs to read the warning labels? They're for dumb people. Right? For instance, there's a warning label on a clothes iron that says, Do not iron clothes while wearing. Nobody here needs to read that, right? Lauren, you need to read that? I didn't think so. Label on a package of bottle rockets, do not put in mouth. Nobody, nobody here needs that one. TV remote control, not dishwasher safe. We good? Yeah, see, we ignore them. We don't need to read these things. But we cannot ignore Jesus' warning about shine abuse. Not one of us. Because we all have this tendency inside of us to want to shine so other people can see us. We want the applause of men. So we got to confess it. I am a shine abuser. I am a shine abuser. Why do we do it? Well, this, we want this good reputation with, with man. And all of us have this built-in desire for man's approval. Some of us are even addicted to that approval. We, we want it. So we live our lives based on what other people think about us. And we, so when we do that, we're trying hard to behave in such a way that man looks at us with admiration and respect and, you know, they want to be like us. Examples of this tendency in the Bible, you know, doing, doing things so that other people would be accepted, um, other men and women would accept you. List, list some of the heroes of our faith. In Genesis 20 and 26, Abraham and Isaac, they both lied to kings and their motive was so that they would be accepted by the king so they wouldn't get in trouble. In Exodus 32, Aaron, Moses' right-hand man, spiritual leader of Israel, he bowed to the pressure to build a golden idol so he would be accepted by the people. Eli, the priest at the tabernacle, he failed to discipline his sons because he wanted their approval. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29, the man of God said to Eli, Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded and honor your sons above me? In John chapter 12, verse 43, Jesus said about the people who were convinced that he was Messiah but were afraid to confess it publicly, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That's our tendency. We want the praise of man more than the praise of God. We've all got it. We've all got it going on inside of us. So fighting shine abuse begins with us confessing our tendency to want that. Now, after you confess it, there's a couple things you can do. And it's changing our focus in life. And the first change is to focus on God's reputation instead of our own. And the second one is to focus on God's reward instead of man's reward. What did you do with your last good deed? The last time you did something good, you know, what was the reason that you did it? You know, last week I was walking over to Meyer, and over here in the, in the side parking lot, there was a lady who was loading um, like 10 bags of potting soil into her car. So I stopped, and I, I did it for her. And then I you know, just kind of went on, and 
And she said as I was walking away, your mother taught you well. And it was right there I had a choice to make. I could stay silent and receive that praise, her thinking well of me and my mom, or I could say something to redirect that praise to God. Now, I don't always say something, and I, I probably don't say something more often than I not. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you understand. But this time I chose to say something. So I turned around and I said, you know, Jesus has a lot more to do with that than my mom. Now, my mom, she did teach me well. But she could not do what Jesus did in my heart. And he's the one that deserves the praise. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. When you go the extra mile, when you, when you do good at work, when you do something nice around the house or at school, is the motivation that to, for, for doing it to be seen, to, to gain points from people, or to call attention to your God, whom you're really serving. So that's the idea. That's, that's shine abuse. John the Baptist has the slogan for our campaign. It's, it's in John uh, chapter 3, verse 30. It is, he must increase and I must decrease. In our Promise Keepers uh, event yesterday, uh, there was, I can't remember the guy's name, it was a couple twins, they, they, you know, they're on TV some, and they great Christian guys, and they were, uh, they were asked to do a reality TV show about their life and their family on HGTV, and their thought was that, you know, well, their faith got them in trouble because of their stance on marriage. And so they didn't want to lose this, the show, and they were saying, so they, they wrote this email and said, we'll be quiet about our faith if you, you know, if you, when we're on your show. And uh, so they, because their, their attitude was, we've got this incredible platform to witness for God. And they didn't want to lose it. So their attitude was, I must increase so he can increase. And they sent that, they sent an email to, before they sent it to HGTV, they sent it to a spiritual uh, mentor, and they, the guy emailed right back and said, how dare you? How dare you silence yourself? And they repented, and they didn't do it, and they lost the show. Because that's not the way it goes. We don't grab the spotlight so God can get the spotlight. We want to put him in the spotlight by disappearing. He must increase, so we decrease. Now, the other focus is God's reward. Switching our focus from what man can give us to what God is going to give us. Jesus uses God's reward in all the examples today to give us motivation to fight shine abuse. So what is God's reward? Well, there's a little bit of a mystery to it. um, But I, I know this, that God's reward is real and it's rich. It's real and it's rich. Revelation 22, verse 12 says, Look, this is Jesus, Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. So Jesus is going to bring back with him a reward that he's going to give us when we stand before him for all the ways that we served him and his kingdom on this earth. And it is not worth risking that reward for anything we can get from man. I mean, just think of it. Because of the fact that God is giving it, it's going to be better than anything we've ever gotten here on this earth. More satisfying. It'll, it'll far surpass anything we've ever had. 
in width and depth and length and breadth. And so we want to be living for that reward. And when we do that, it makes it possible to stop shine abuse. So this is where we start. We start with confessing our tendency. I am a shine abuser. He must increase. I must decrease. And then as Jesus keeps going, we get more specifics about shine abuse. Verses 2 to 4 and brings up another way we can fight it. Silence your trumpet. <laughs> Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And it's kind of hard to imagine people doing this in this day and age, but we do it. <laughs> we find ways to blow our uh, own horn. Now, Jesus is using the practice of giving to the needy as his example, but it, it could be anything. So our attention ought to be on the trumpet. Sound no trumpet. That's what, what needs our attention. Have you ever been to one of those restaurants where, you know, there's a tip jar uh, near the door you're leaving, and then there's a bell you can ring, you know, when you put money in the tip jar? And, you know, that's supposed to thank the cook and the, and the servers, but as soon as somebody does it, everybody, who did that, you know? It's, it's kind of it's like that. We turn something that's supposed to be a good thing into something that we are gaining attention for. Blowing your trumpet, tooting your own horn, all of us would say is pretty distasteful when we encounter it. And I think when it happens, we, we might even react to it in, in, in the way where we don't give the horn blower the satisfaction. You know, you know we don't high-five him or something. Um, so, but, but even knowing that, there's this thing in us that calls out to us uh, when we find ourselves feeling a little underappreciated or outperformed, we want to grab our trumpet and say, hey, look at me. Look what I did. I'm special too. So what would cause us to toot our own horn? Have you ever been applauded? Ever been applauded and appreciated and admired by man? It is addicting. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing feeling. And when it happens, you can crave that experience again. And so that's what causes us to blow our trumpet. Because it feels really good to be honored and praised for something you've done. Well, for the believer in Jesus Christ, for one who's following them, wanting to bring God glory in our life every day, when we take God's gifts and we take God's grace and we use them to bring attention to ourselves, we're abusing the shine. Now, it doesn't mean that you can never be applauded by man. I believe it will happen in in some way, shape, or form. But it does mean we don't want to seek it. We don't want to seek the applause of man. Jesus told us to be the light of the world, that people would see our good deeds, and then they would turn and praise our Father who is in heaven. So he's saying they're going to see our good deeds. They're not going to see us. And it's, it's really hard to praise a man for a good deed when you don't know who the good deed was done by. It's impossible. When we're invisible, people have no choice but to turn and thank their Heavenly Father for the good that has been done to them. Now, I know it doesn't always work that way. People think, you know, thank fate or they'll think, you know, I, I was lucky today or, you know, they'll thank the gods, whatever. But let's leave that part to God and let's do our part and disappear. And to do that, we've got to silence our trumpet. Jesus goes on in verses 3 and 4 on how to, how to give rightly. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, that's an interesting phrase. You know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is is doing. Seems like Jesus is describing an extreme amount of effort to keep our giving secret. So there's two things to, that you have to do to be able to keep your giving secret. That, one, we don't talk about it to other people. Now, I know that sort of seems like common sense, even proper etiquette, but when we're after a man's applause, we will do things to get it, make sure people know what we've done. So we got to silence our trumpet by not talking about our giving with other people. And then the second thing is we don't want to talk about our giving to ourselves. If our left hand isn't going to know what our right hand did, that means you got to forget it before it gets from the left hand to the brain so the brain tells the right hand. you got to forget it. A good definition of Christian giving is this. Christian giving should be marked by self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness, not by self-congratulations. One of my favorite movies, maybe my favorite of all time, is called Facing the Giants. If you've never seen that, you should buy it and watch it once a year. It'll stir your faith. It's about a high school football team. The high school football coach is the main character, and he begins the movie facing a lot of giants in his life. His job, his family, his friends, and his car. His car is junk. I mean, he's got to jump it all the time. He's pulling into his driveway and it dies on him. He's, he's there in the parking lot after the game and he can't get his car started and he has to go ask for a jump. It's just junk. But he can't afford a new one. So it's all he's got. So I want to show you a clip from the movie that illustrates perfectly how Jesus would want us to give. So let's do it. No more jumper cables. Love that movie. I'm serious, go get it, watch it. No one to thank there for the coach but God. The Lord gave me a truck. Amazing, that's how God wants us to do it. You know, we've been, our family's been blessed like that several times on the receiving end of that kind of a gift. And, you know, we don't know who did it. You know, we've been given cars, anonymous checks given, you know, it just amazes me. And every time I just praise God that he's taking care of our family. You know, we have never known a need that he has not taken care of. And every time we point, we point to our Heavenly Father for uh, taking care of us. Now, don't forget our motive uh, for doing this. It's not man's applause. It's God's applause. And it, it, Jesus said it right there. God who sees in the secret what's done will reward you. And so we want, when we keep our, our giving or our serving just between... God and us, I mean, he sees that, and he honors it, and he remembers it, and he blesses that. In a way, you don't have to wait for your reward to come with Jesus. You get it when you serve and give in secret. When you do something around here, uh, and you know nobody knows about it, uh, he sees it. He, he rewards that. So I I just want to remind you that God doesn't miss one small act done for him unto him. He doesn't miss one small thing. 
So fight shine abuse by silencing your trumpet, your intentional efforts to get man's applause when you give and when you serve. Now we're going to get to shine abuse in the area of prayer next week. So we're going to go on down to verses 16 to 18. And Jesus begins to talk about some indirect efforts that we put into our life to try to get man's applause. So to fight shine abuse, we've got to learn to hide our tactics. Verse 16, and when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, the Jewish people, they were directed to fast um, every year to take part in some different uh, special celebrations that they held annually. Um, They were called to fast when a special need arose in the community for the nation, like when the fall rains didn't come. Uh, They were called to fast. And both of those were, were practiced to honor the Lord's work and to call attention to a special need in the community. Aside from that, individuals would fast to bring a special need before God that they had, a personal need, or to show God their sincerity over some repentance that they were um, practicing in their life. You know, wanting to show God, this is not just a feeling, this is something deeper, Lord, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. And so people fasted for all of those reasons. But the trouble was they, they would take something that was meant to be this humble act of submission and they turned it into something that showed their, re, their religious showiness. And so fasting was supposed to be used to capture God's attention, but people started using it to get man's attention, to get them to think well of us. Now, Jesus is talking about some Tactics here that are more subtle than blowing the trumpet, you know. So these people, they're not walking around the streets going, hey, I'm fasting today. You know, that, that's not what they were doing. I mean, they knew that was way out of, out of bounds. But they would change their facial expressions. You know, they, they, they would dress differently. They would even use the custom of putting ashes on their heads so that other people knew that they were fasting. And again, the fasting is just an example Jesus uses to to show us how we need to hide our tactics that we use, these indirect methods to get man's attention and applause. But you know, fasting is such a great example to use when it it comes to this. We don't practice fasting too often uh, in our culture. Um, I think that's probably because feasting is such a big part of, of our lives. But when, when we do fast, there's this huge temptation to let people know that we are. And that, that uh, tends to make, make you really spiritual in, in the eyes of the church and, uh, you know, maybe crazy in the eyes of the world. But, you know, when you tell somebody you're fasting in the world, oh, man, you're, that's, you're really serious about your faith thing. You know, there's, there's that stuff going on. Um, so, you know, fasting is something that, that over the years... Practice that, and I I know what it means to fast for the wrong reasons, you know. And I know that, and I know what I know the the way that it, it when I am able to do that just unto the Lord. And there's that there's a struggle every single day of a fast to keep it just between you and God, and just about God, and not anything about you. It, it, it's a fight every day when when you do it. So there, there's this question: Why would we fast? Okay, why would, why would we do it? Well, there, all the reasons the Jews did would be good reasons. To honor the, honor the Lord for his work, to bring a special need to, uh, before him, um, and, and to show him the sincerity of our hearts in repentance. Uh, but, you know, the, the best answer to that question, why we should fast, 
It's just kind of an overarching answer. And that is to, to show God that we would rather have him than anything this world has to offer, even down to the most basic thing of as food. I'd rather have you, God, than eating. And when we do that unto the Lord, it is a powerful spiritual discipline in our life. So the, this form of shine abuse, it's indirect. Uh, it's an indirect method of getting that attention. Um, and I think it's probably more common in our life than blowing our own horn. Um, that, that trumpet thing. You know, years ago, we used to dress up when we, when we came to church. And uh, as a kid, uh, that had a positive impact on me. You know, because church wasn't just any place. It was a special place. It was a place we met with God. And so when we go there, we show respect and reverence by how we dress. But over the years, it be started, you know, we, we took that and we started to, you know, sh- become a little showy with, with how we dressed. And that then had negative consequences um, in the church and in, in the world. And so now we don't do it anymore. We don't want it you know, to be an obstacle for people. We're come as you are. That's, that's the message now. Um, and that's fine. But I hate that about us, how we take our acts of worship unto God and we turn them into something that we use for self-adoration, looking for man's attention, looking for man's approval. And it's kind of it's kind of what we do. I mean, did you ever notice how we tend to take the things that the Lord calls us to do in private and we make those things public so that people will think something about us? Yeah, you ever, have you ever noticed that? I mean, the, the, and then the things that he calls us to do in public, we really can't do because in our human self, we can't do them anyway. And it's in the private where Jesus works with those things that we're supposed to do in private to change us to look more like him. And so since we're taking those things public and, and abusing them, he's not, he can't do the work inside of us to make us look more like him. So it's not possible. All those things that Jesus calls us to do in chapter 5, peace with people, purity, faithfulness, integrity, sacrifice and suffering, that's the public stuff. But when we hear that, it's like, man, I can't do that. I can't do all those things. Well, it's because we're taking the things of the, that we're supposed to do in private that are just supposed to be unto the Lord, and we abuse them, and then he's not using them to, to, to change us. He can't, because we're abusing them. And when we do all those things in chapter 5, living in the darkness, living that way among people living in the darkness and in unbelief, they get a glimpse of God. That's why we've got those public instructions there. But we're, we're using our spiritual disciplines in public to get man's attention, and it just messes up the whole thing. So consequently, the disciplines are not doing our hearts any good, and we're not doing any good witnessing for God. People aren't seeing God in us. They're just seeing religion. So Jesus said in John 13, 35, they will know we are his followers by our love for one another. So he just said here, chapter 5, this is how you love other people. That's how that love gets manifest. So the path to being able to live chapter 5 is to fight shine abuse that Jesus is talking about in chapter 6. Hide our tactics. And that's what Jesus instructs in verses 17 and 18, giving 
proper instructions for fasting and as well as other spiritual disciplines. He says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So we don't want to show the world or others our religious tactics. We hide that away just between us and God. We do things unto the Lord so he can use them in our hearts. And then uh, when we go public, uh, it's a witness for him. So we, we hide our fasting. And he says, look, when you're hiding your fasting, it's, you're glowing on the outside. You, you know, so people don't suspect that you are. Uh, so when you, when you skip a meal, and when you skip a meal in our world today, people ask why, just, just about all the time. Um, just say, I'm on a special diet. And that's okay to say, because you're, you're feasting on God. They don't have to know what the diet is. <laughs> just tell them you're on a special diet and hide it as long as you can. If you do it multiple days, you'll start losing weight, and then people will ask what's wrong. So you've got to figure out a way to talk about it, but... Um, but when, when you start, just keep it between you and God. Uh, hide your tactics. Because we're shine abusers. And we want people to know what we do. There's this book titled, Embracing Obscurity. And the author is anonymous. <laughs> There's a review about this book. It says, Embracing Obscurity challenges us to cultivate a joyful sense of contentment in the truth that the one who matters most already knows you. And being known by him is enough. Being known by him is enough. So that's where we need to go. To live in the knowledge that in Christ we are completely accepted, we are completely approved of. And when we can live in in that knowledge, that frees us and brings joy and peace with other people because we don't need them then to give us attention and to give us approval and to give us applause. So, today, you want to join this cause. Fight shine abuse. Stop seeking man's approval. Confess your tendency that I'm a shine abuser. Confess it. Silence your trumpet when we do the work of the kingdom. Hide your tactics, your religious ways from man so God can use that in your heart. Just keep it between you and him. So fast, give, pray unto the Lord so that you can worship, serve, preach in public. So that's the challenge Jesus has for us today. Would you become nothing? So we could lift Jesus up in this world? Would you pursue the calling in chapter 5 by fighting the pattern in chapter 6? Will you join the cause? People are losing their reward. People are getting turned off to the kingdom because of our abuse. You know, every campaign has a beginning, a catalyst that gets it going. You know, George Floyd's death was a catalyst for the protests in our streets. Well, our campaign also had a catalyst, and it was the death of Jesus Christ. You know, he came, and in his life and ministry, he showed us what real love looked like. 
He, he lived his life, his perfect life, and then gave himself for us. So he paid, all, he paid it all. He came to seek and to save the lost and then, and then died on the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what real love looks like. That pattern of living is the way we are called to live so that he can increase. We have to decrease. Now, before he did that, remember he was in an upper room with his disciples and he gave them some symbols uh, to remember what he was going to do. And now he, he, he calls us to do that when we take the bread and take the cup. They're reminders of the death of our Savior and how his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper here to close the service. So if you didn't get your communion on the way in, you can, you can, you can do that. And um, you can go ahead and, and tear the top off of that to, to get ready. And while we're doing that, while you're getting that ready, let me just say to you, um, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to invite you to do that today before you take this bread and cup. You know, he will, uh, he will come into any life who asks him. And it doesn't matter where you've been. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to clean yourself up. You take you just as as you are today, and so while we're in prayer, if if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then I get want to give you that opportunity to do that. You just say to Him, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that your dying on the cross was for me for my sins, so I could be forgiven. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and lead me. Make me new. Pray something like that in your own words, putting your life in his hands, and he will answer that prayer. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to read the, the word before we take and eat, and then in prayer you can do that. Let's go. Let's pray. For this is what the Lord himself has said about his table, and I have passed it on to you before, that on the night when Judas betrayed him, the Lord... Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. Jesus, we come to your table today uh, with these symbols in our hands to be reminded of the incredible sacrifice that that you've made. You opened the way for grace, saving grace, to come into our lives, for our sins to be forgiven. So we take and eat and drink in honor of you.
Jesus, we thank you today for your great love, for your great sacrifice. We praise you for being the one who conquered death and rose from the grave. And we celebrate that today. You are our living Savior. And you call us to go. So Lord, we're getting ready to do that. Pray your Holy Spirit would fill us. Bear, bear the fruit that only he can through our lives. And that he would shine out there in the darkness this week. To people that desperately need to know that you are alive. And you love them. And you're ready to change them. Make our world new, Lord. Let your mercy and grace be abundant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.